Welcome to the Dear Katie podcast. This is Katie Kessner. And this is Claire Kaplan. And before we get started, as we always do, I want to remind our listeners that sometimes the discussions in our podcast can be tough to hear, especially for survivors of trauma. So we encourage all of you to take care of your safety and well-being. That could mean reaching out for emotional support from family or friends, a counselor if you have one, or a hotline if necessary. And at the end of the podcast, we'll give you the address of the Take Back the Night Foundation website so you can access our resources. Thanks so much, Claire. And our special guest today is Larissa. Larissa, thank you so much for joining us. And to start us out, maybe you could share a little bit about yourself with our listeners, like um, where you're from, where you, whatever you want to share about your background and where you grew up. Uh, first of all, thank you, Kathy and Claire, for inviting me. I'm great to share my information. Uh, I'm Larissa Sharipova. I'm a woman, a lifestyle doctor, a holistic health practitioner, a published author of Listen to Your Body and Regain Your Health, and uh, also a uh, um, co-founder of advocacy group to stop sexual violence. violence. And I am outside of Philadelphia. That's where I'm located now. But I was born and raised in Russia. And I moved to America about over 20 years ago. So uh, I'm here now. Lovely. Thank you so much, Larissa. I can't wait to learn more about all your advocacy. But, you know, I, I think for our listeners, too, we all we all start somehow to come to our mics with our own personal experience and story. And um, I don't know what age you were or where it happened, but could you narrate a little bit about what your experience was? Sure. Um, my experience started when I was in medical school about age 19. And um, what happened that one, uh, it, when I was studying, um, it came to one of the tests that we take. It was, uh, remember, it was pat anatomy, pathological anatomy. And um, I was told about the old professor who likes women. And if you want to uh, take exam with him, you shouldn't look in his eyes because he might suspect that something can happen. So... Uh, and in that time, or about 25 and more years ago, in our medical school, when you take exam, it's not, it was not computerized. It was one on one with professor in his room. And when I was, uh, it was oral exam, like you have to, uh, stay and talk to the professor, um, with your, um, uh, test questions. So when I was uh, given um, answers to my questions to the examination, I was talking to him and, and looking in his face and you know, having conversation. So he failed me uh, at that exam. And it meant that I cannot go continue my studying because I have to take my uh, test to go to the next um, year of medical school. And at the, the same time, I was working in a medical clinic with um, some other professor who were teaching in the same university. And I asked him for advice. So what should I do? I failed pat anatomy and I couldn't go uh, study, continue my, with my study. And he said, well, as, um, me as a professor, I would give you advice. So just buy a bottle of cognac. Uh, get a box of candy and go to his office and ask for a re-examination personally and see how it goes. 
okay, so professor gave me advice in the same situation as what he would do. And I did that, uh, what he told me. Uh, when I came to his office and they arranged for the meeting, personal meeting, um, we start open a bottle of cognac, start drinking, eating candy, just having conversation, completely not about school, not about exam, not about tasting, just a personal, I would say, a date with the professor. And when I got a little bit under influence, he asked me to perform oral uh, sex. And he said, if I do that, he can give me a pass on my exam. And so I was trapped in this situation. Uh, I didn't know what else to do. Maybe it was a setup particular for that. And um, I felt so horrible, but uh, at the same time, I was under influence. So I didn't think anything else just to do that. And I had to do that to pass my exam and to get out of the situation. And... Um, I give him my um, papers. He signs that you passed your exams and goodbye. So I was I was going home on a public transportation, barely staying because I was drunk with this horrible feeling. Um, and at that time, I was living by myself, renting an apartment. I didn't talk to anybody. Um, and that experience uh, gave me a lot of sadness about my um, incompetence, also about my self-esteem went down. Um, and I think that affected, uh, it affected me for all my life, personally, as a woman, and uh, I think behavior and a lot of things that related to that. Do you, Larissa, do you, do you remember how you were feeling or what you were thinking? Of course, you had been drinking too, but when you were on that trans, when you were dro- when you were going home on the public transportation, what feelings you had? Do you remember? Yes, I felt very dirty and uh, worthless. So that was my feeling. Yeah. And I also, you know, Larissa, I think a lot of women feel we've heard that word "dirty" a lot, and I think it means different things to you know different people. And I'm curious, especially since. You're from a whole nother country, and I think it might be interesting to think about the cultural expectation for you growing up and what it meant. You know, what was your expectation as for yourself, or did your parents give it to you, and or your religion, your beliefs? Like, because I think a dirtiness comes from not just the powerless from being assaulted, but also the level of expectation we had because dirty is the opposite of clean, right? And by classifying something as dirty, it's very different to me than thinking about being, like, for example, if we got robbed, we wouldn't say we felt dirty. You know, someone stole, took, harmed us. If If we got stuck with a knife, it wouldn't make us feel dirty. And rape is a form, a crime, but it's unique in the way that this particular crime affects women and makes us feel, quote, dirty. So I like to think about why that is and where that idea comes from. Um, and, you know, obviously it's a very personal experience, uh, violative of our bodies, too. Um, but I, I'd love to explore that with you, if that makes sense. Sure. I um, I thought violated that 
somebody forced me to do something that I didn't want to do, but I had to do. Uh, also, uh, you talk about different culture. Yes. And in, I think it's continue in Russia and a lot of countries in Europe, uh, particularly Eastern Europe. Women consider be very low, uh, not equal, uh, to men. And most of the time, we, um, we have to do whatever man tells us to do. And I grown up, even though my, in my family, it wasn't this way, but it's in culture in general. The woman always, uh, submissive to men in fam- in the family or anywhere in the culture. Uh, as a, uh, if you work for boss who is male, you expected to do that for him. Um, and also I think in my medical school, I don't know about other universities, but it was common that it was happened to other women. And later on, it was when I was talking to other uh, girls uh, in university, they had to do similar things. And even our, um, university dean he had a mistress one of the students he had a child from her so and everybody talk about it so it was common kind of uh in the culture and it was accepted in the culture for and for female it was horrible situations but and when when i talked to other women said yeah that's what it is to be a woman in our country that's so interesting to me, um, in part because women professionally in Russia, I mean, there have been women doctors for, you know, decades and decades and decades, right? Women highly placed in professions. And so to think that the the notion of equality isn't like women can have an equal job to a man. It's really much deeper than that. And the idea that you can still achieve or have some kind of profession and you can still be second class or still be seen as, as sexual object first, professional person second. Um, whether you live in a capitalist society or you live in a, uh, you know, communist society, it's the same thing. So it just, you know, it's interesting to me that, well, of course not communist anymore but you know still the that idea that doesn't matter what the political philosophy is it kind of gets down to the same problem i think it's a problem every country and every culture even though here i think women have more voice and here there's a lot of um talk about uh sexual violence prevention at works and different companies and so on. In Russia, we don't talk about it. I don't know what is it now because I don't live there, but it seems like it's continual. There's no prevention of sexual violence and it's still common. Even to be a secretary, you have to meet certain criteria to to work for uh, some boss who is male. So it's, sometimes it's required to be a, a sexual toy for him or if you want to grow in a company or in a profession, you have to sacrifice your body if you want to achieve something else, higher. So you you managed to finish medical school, yes? Yeah. And you say that that, 
that incident has affected you for the rest of your life. Did you encounter more of those sorts of professors as a medical student? Uh, not as a professor, but as a male uh, figures in my life. Uh, for example, because my, I guess, self-esteem was not as high as it was before. My, uh, for example, my partner, sexual partners, I choose, or even my husband, I choose when not at a high standard, I think that it would be before the accident or if I would never had an accident. So my, my, um, view about myself was low. My self-esteem was low. So I didn't, I didn't think about myself as a good enough for one man or for another. So I always succumb to different relationships, uh, that were not the best for me. So mostly abusive relationships. Or I was always submissive in relationship. Uh, and because I think, because I, I thought about myself the same way, that way. So, and I lived in unhappy marriage for 25 years. And finally, when I start working on myself and healing myself, I decided to get divorced. I, I want to talk about that aspect of your healing. You said the unhappy marriage was 20 years? 25. 25. So, well, you know, let me just ask you, I think some of us who go through assault and abuse, we then choose a partner very deliberately who we don't love and aren't vulnerable with our hearts. Is that something that makes sense to you or what, you know, what, how did you come to this partner and why did you stay in the relationship so long? Uh, yes, I think that affects my um, choice because I think that, well, I probably good enough for this person if I knew, even, even though I knew that he's not the best person, not ideal that I would like to have. But I saw the thought about myself that, yes, it's, good enough because I'm in this relationship, even though I did not like relationship, but I, no, I still said yes to marriage and actually forced myself to marriage because, wow, nobody there and all my girlfriends already got married. I'm still not married. Let's get married and see how it goes, even though it wasn't ideal for me relationship. And that abuse continued. I had a, um, not, uh, more like physical abuse, but more emotional abuse. And lately was financial abuse. So I had, I lived in abusive relationship for 25 years. So what, at what point did the light go on for you where you thought, this isn't working for me? Uh, and not, uh, before I answer your question, I want to also say about how it affects that trauma affect me physically, because we know that emotional trauma uh, show up in the body in different areas. And I believe as particular as trainers of OBGYN, uh, that our sexual violence, sexual trauma affected us in the area of women's health because of the energy and emotional stagnation in that area. So at my 27 years old, I've been married for many, many years and trying to get pregnant. I couldn't get pregnant. So even though 
it was nothing wrong with me physically, nothing wrong was with me and with my ex. Uh, we did all our testing, everything was okay, but somehow we couldn't get pregnant. And we were trying and trying medications, couldn't get. And when I started looking in another area, I started looking in the area of toxicity that maybe our body is too toxic. Or at that time, I didn't know about emotional um, aspect of it, of the disease. So I start from the physical perspective and clean my body and my ex. So we did uh, detoxification for 30 days and next month I got pregnant. So we clean our body physically, but still I had some problem conceiving with my second child. So the problem is still there physically. So we had some um, problem like getting pregnant, but we deal with that physically. And when you, and I believe when you clean your body uh, physically, your emotional stuff clearing up or coming up to the surface. And when I start exploring more and more, I start looking in my self development, self growth. And I realized that I live in this abusive relationship for so long and it's affected my mental as well. I become uh, depressed. I hated myself. I felt myself miserable, not myself. Uh, and I start like digging deeper and deeper and learning more about uh, mental and physical and emotional aspects of my life and my health and taking different uh, courses and also using different modalities to uh, heal on a spiritual level. So I become more spiritual. For me, spiritual is not more religious, but more believing in myself, being in my own body and listening to my own body. And that's when my book created, listen to your body and create your health. So I show all my uh, experiences, how I heal myself physically and emotionally and how other people can do that. And when I start, and when I start working on myself, that's when I realized I live in this abusive relationship and I don't want my two daughters to see life that I have. Because that time I started reading about childhood experiences, how we are role model project for, uh, on our kids and how they can see what's happening in their own family, along with parents, relationship between parents and how mother feels in the relationship is going to project on them. And they, I don't want them to pick up the same kind of uh, relationship or having some, some similar male in their life. So I had to separate myself from my ex. So, and it was a very difficult decision because in America, we don't have relatives. We don't have anybody. We don't have families here. I just had friends who supported me in this. And it was very difficult. I, I tried to get divorced. If, like, uh, Every five years, we have a big fight, and like we get divorced, we get divorced, but we never did. Finally, it was my decision that I can't do it anymore, and it was also financial abuse. He started gambling and wasting all my money, so and I said that's it. It was the last drop, and I had to do it. So, and a lot of friends support me. It was great. I'm happy. Larissa, I have two questions that I'd like to go back to. One is the the process you went through toward this cleansing and self-healing and self-care. Could you go into some more detail exactly what you did 
so our listeners have it, you know, almost like a how-to. What did you do exactly? <laughs> uh, and then my second question is, I'd like, to, I'd like to talk about your daughters too. You know, what 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 you did specifically to try and make them more empowered. But let's start with the self. So first is, you know, describe what a day in a life of self-care and cleanse meant to you. So detoxification has a lot of things, a lot of uh, the levels of healing and healing and cleansing the body. Um, first of all, it's different food that can help you to cleanse your body from the physical perspective, like you know, toxin that we get through food. So you have to change your eating habits. You have to change the type of food you eat. It's on a, because it's a nourishment and, and food is information, I believe. Um, so how you nourish your body. Uh, also lifestyle, how you sleep, how you exercise. So all these are part of detoxification and cleansing. And sometimes it's hard for people, particularly women, to change the lifestyle because they're used to, to the same habits. And un- unless you love yourself enough to do it for yourself, it's very hard to change lifestyle and the way you eat and do things. So you have to learn how to love yourself. So what what were you eating that was so cleansing? <laughs> What's your elixir? So everything that you eat natural, everything natural. So natural vegetables, natural fruit, less processed, the better. So you, I would say raw food. And at one part of my life, I just had raw food. So I didn't eat, um, eliminate a lot of meat and dairy. I just had raw food and vegetables. Uh, and it wasn't always the best choice because I believe that during the winter you shouldn't eat salads and drink uh, juice every day because it's too cold for the for the that season. So mm-hmm. I exper- experiment with different food, and uh, now it's a part of my life. It's a, my lifestyle. I eat vegetables and proteins in like, like very good meat that is grass fed and organic and uh, less processed food so that's what and this is our choice and it's we have to eat every day so just pick the best food that you can afford it if you cannot afford organic the the best you can afford it. of course organic is always the best choice and also to clean all organs eliminate we have to good have good elimination system so what's our elimination organs colon liver kidney skin and lung. So all this organ needs to be working properly to eliminate whatever our body does not need. So you have to poop three times a day or at least once. So you have to make make sure you do that. Uh, and if you if it's not, so you have to give some support like take probiotics or um, do something else like coffee enema that I succumb to. So <laughs> there is a lot of different things. And some supplementation that can help your liver and kidney and brain and anything else to um, help with elimination and also our functions. And it's dedication. It takes time. Sometimes also I um, I had five days water fast. It's not for everybody and you cannot get there right away. So there are different steps, different process that it, you can get better and better and better with this thing. So I... And even now, when I work with my clients, they have to go through the detectification at one point of the program working with me. 
sometimes if you go cold turkey like I did and you do it right away, and sometimes if your body is not ready, we have to wait and, and support your body that you would be able to do detoxification. So that's a part of my life now. And I do detoxes twice a year, spring and fall, to clean my body, even though I live clean lifestyle now. And I've done it for the last 15, 16 years. <laughs> so that's my part of my life. And also exercise. And I still work on my sleep. I'm just doing two, a lot of different things. And I shorten sleep during the week. On the weekend, I try to catch up. I know it's not the best, but I'm trying my best to do that and working on my sleep. Thanks, Larissa. You're very, you're very, yeah, totally dedicated. You're very dedicated. Um, maybe we could, Claire, I, let's talk about her daughter. I was going to say, um, are your daughters aware? I mean, have you shared the story with them, the, the story of medical school or no? Well, uh, my older daughter, she's a teenager, she's 17. So I told her, not in details, but in a, like a brief description what might happen. And we talk a lot about, particularly if I'm advocating uh, sexual violence, they hear my recordings and talk. So they overheard and we talk about that all the time. And my younger daughter, she's 11. And, and they both, uh, so I got divorced three years ago and my older daughter, she was supportive 100% because she was old enough to see what's happening. My younger daughter was not, um, aware 100%. We just moved to another house and I said, your father doesn't have money to move with us. So I didn't even mention word, uh, divorce at that time. But eventually we talk about it. And I think it's affected my younger daughter more than my older one. Uh, but now they understand why I did it because they see the relationship that we had in the past and continue now. Um, and also fi- no financial support. So now they understand, but my younger daughter was more affected by divorce and separation from her father than my older one. And I teach them all the time how to make a difference. Like you, when you, uh, particularly for my older one, when you date your, your, um, your boyfriend or when you meet your uh, friends or start dating, you need to look not only on, <laughs> on himself, but also on his family. How the relationship in his family with him and his mother or the other uh, family members, because the relationship in family shows how it is, uh, and they see <laughs> me as a uh, now as a strong woman that can make a decision and uh, stand for myself, and I teach them all the time. That's wonderful. I um, because when I, mean, I think about how uh, mothers or you know parental figures teach their children um, about relationships. It's really what they model that has the biggest impact, and you're showing them how how it's possible to get free of a relationship that wasn't working for you, and to take care of yourself first. Um, and that's such a great um, example to them. And I'm sure your younger daughter will appreciate it more as she gets older too, being only 11. But uh, it's so hard for kids, especially if they've been uh, they're children of a of a family where there is a abuse, whatever form it's taking, um, it affects them so deeply. So congratulations for doing that. I, I wanted to say, unfortunately, it doesn't matter. Uh, any divorce going to affect kids. 
in no matter what. Or even if you stay, if you stay in abusive relationship, it's gonna affect them. And if you divorce and get rid of the abusive relationship, it's gonna affect them anyway. So take whatever uh, step that the best in a worst situation. Right. That's right. It affects them regardless. Um, but you know, they're also seeing how it's possible to get away from one of those kinds of relationships. So that's really in a healthy way. So that's important. Um, I'm wondering um, if you can talk a little bit also about when you were going through your healing process and um, when you came to the, you know, you were talking about how you take care of the body and then, and the physical self, and then the emotions begin to emerge. Did you seek other forms of support? Did you go for counseling or did you do anything like that? Or did you, so process it on your own. How did you handle that piece? Um, yes, I did use other practitioners. I never went to a counselor or talk therapy because I already knew consciously what's happening and what I need to do. And I, I believe that talk therapy happening on a conscious level. So if you know something that's happening, you can talk off so can talk out or talk about it but sometimes we have something that's happening on unconscious level our behaviors or something that we don't remember or we cannot associate with so you cannot talk about it and that's when i believe uh, uh, other modalities help me with so i had a friend and uh, other practitioners around me who helped me with that area i went to my friend who did past life regression and I think that helped me to take a step for divorce. So it was very interesting, insightful for me why I choose that person and why it's a good idea to end the relationship. So apparently, I don't know how much you know about past life regression, but it looks like the person is able to look in your past life, maybe 25 lives ago or 15 lives ago. She didn't mention exactly when, but the, I already met the person that I'm with in this relationship in the past, in my past life. But relationship were reversed. I was male and he was female. And exactly relationship that we have now, they were at that time, abusive, d- diminishing, and this kind of um, relationship. So, and to, to change something, you have to end a relationship that did not work that time. And it's not going to work now if you don't end the relationship. So I'm looking, uh, on that perspective. It helped me. And also when I started learning about childhood experiences and I knew my ex, he had a lot of childhood trauma. He went, he went through divorce of his parents. His father was abusive and he didn't see that. He thought he has a great childhood. He didn't see that he was a damaged person. So he was not willing to do anything on his part. So, and I grow emotionally and spiritually, and he did not. And that time I knew that is not going to work because he is not willing to do anything. So, and that's when we create a big gap between our relationship. And we could not understand anymore each other because 
I couldn't live in that low vibration emotionally because I was already uh, learning more and more and bringing me to the higher level of vibration and positive energy. And that was uh, where he was. It was very low and negative. So that also helped me. And another way, another modality that I used, it was body talk therapy. And that is also an intuitive level. Uh, my friend who is a body talk practitioner and intuitive uh, healer. So she helped me with my body, looking at my body reactions. How would I react? Just even before getting divorced, how would I react to that idea of being on my own, supporting myself? And I think she gave me a lot of um, encouragement. And that she said that I have a lot of strength. I have a lot of power to be on my own. I shouldn't be worried about it because that was my uh, worry and um, question. Could I support myself? Would I be able to support myself? I don't have anybody here. I have two kids. But at that point in my life, I could at least financially support myself. And I think if I can do that, and I was already a stronger um, person, uh, spiritually and emotionally, so, and that helped me to make a decision to get divorced. And after that, I would continue with my um, therapies uh, as a modal- modalities. And meditation, of course, helped me to go through different challenging times. And meditation is uh, my go-to. Anytime I have a stressful situation, I just put meditation and it helps me um, with these different challenges. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that description. It's interesting because I'll have to say, I haven't heard the term past life regression since I moved from California. <laughs> so it's so funny to hear that again. Oh, yeah, I knew people who did that. Um Yes, I, I think I agree, Claire. I, I, what I think Larissa is giving us is a really unique. Thank you, Larissa, because we've not spoken with um, someone quite like you <laughs> um, in all of our episodes. So it's it's lovely and charming and helpful. Um, you know, your perspective and your determination come through so clearly and your determination to take care of yourself despite, you know, what I'm thinking Claire and Larissa's it might have taken you 25 years Larissa but you've gone on a, a long journey and and maybe I would like to explore one other thing you know you're also creating this like wow Larissa did all these incredible things that are so hard and so many of our survivors feel so frail and vulnerable and have been in such dark, dark moments in their lives. So when darkness creeps in for you, Larissa, what's your go-to that helps you climb out of it? I've been depressed maybe 15 years ago. And I, I, I start, when I start working on myself, I get less and less that. Now I don't even have any depressed. I have more anxiety on certain things or frustration, but never depression anymore. Uh, and I've been there a long time ago. And, and any stressful, I would say like frustration, anxiety or stressful situation. And I, as I mentioned, uh, meditation is number one. And also breathing exercise is, is the immediate result. So when you do back breathing and yeah, before you get to that, 
What about that dark place? Tell us more about 15 years ago and how, what did you exactly do? Because so many of our listeners want to know, I am in that dark place where you were and what exactly got you through it. Since you just said you've been, you've developed practices clearly, but I think, you know, that, that very dark shadow of a, a moment or a day or a week, how do you climb out of that with immediacy? So that, that was a long time ago. And, and what happened, uh, when I look in the mirror, I didn't like myself. I didn't like what I see in the mirror. And I felt miserable and like people didn't like me. People didn't avoid me, didn't want to talk to me. That's where I was because I, I hated myself. I didn't like myself. And I started talking to my girlfriend. I thought, is it like, am, am I this way or am I this bad? And like, why people don't like me? They say, are you crazy? You're normal. Why are you talking about that? And like, it's like a bolt in my head. Why I'm talking about myself this way? Why I'm thinking about this stuff? So I think talking to other people, or particular women or friends, it's very important because sometimes they open your eyes that you think you're that way, but you are not. You perceive yourself that way, but other people perceive you differently. Um, sometimes, Posting something even negative or something that you, you saw somewhere, maybe, uh, uh, other people would tell you that you're not. So it's kind of support, seeking support, not only from your immediate people, immediate uh, friends and family, but also sometimes social media can help. You posted something dark and you have so many good messages or you like support, like, you're a good person. You this and and it brings person out of the dark. So talking to other people, I think number one, don't hide yourself because you can get very very dark by being on your own. So never isolate yourself, even in the darkest place. Always at least one person tell them how you feel and um, about yourself or in general how you feel. So I think that's number one, I would say, to anybody who is in a dark place. Thank you for that. And did you, so by opening yourself up, it sounds like you were able to pull yourself out of that dark spot. I, I start thinking about myself. Why do I think this way? And I start just going deeper. Is it, is it myself? Because I remember myself when I was a teenager that I wasn't this way all the time. One, when is, was that moment that I feel happy? When was it? And now I, that time I remember myself like, I was happy. I was, I had so many friends. I, I socialized. Uh, why not now? What, why am that? Why am I in that dark place? And when you start evaluating your life, you start thinking and realizing that you're probably not in the happy relationship. You're not happy with something that's going on in your life and just start talking yourself out of it and looking for sources that can help you with that. So uh, for, uh, for me, another manifestation of physical, it was migraines. And at that time in my life, I also discovered yoga. And, and I started doing stretches and it helped me with my headache. Maybe 
meditation that comes out, came along with yoga. That when started like opening my other channels of energy. So and going deeper and deeper and deeper and educating yourself and learn how to lock your body and the self care is very important. So I know Kathy asked me about self care. What is self care uh, in my day? I don't. Uh, yes, as a woman, we try to make everybody happy with so many hats and help other people and love other people and forget about ourselves. And that's a problem for most all women. And and I work with women, they don't give time to themselves. And that is and it's very important in your healing journey particularly in everyday life. So taking time at least five minutes, do something that you love at least five minutes a day. I think that's perfect. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. I, or do something that's pleasant, yes, for you. Maybe um, in our final minutes, Claire, uh, Larissa, maybe you could talk about your um, work to end sexual violence and support women. Claire, anything else before we talk about mm-hmm. No, that was, that was my next question. So interesting, uh, a year ago, I was in one of Facebook groups. It was completely not related to sexual violence, but it was being, bring your voice to the big, uh, to television or to something that you want to be heard. And it was like a challenge. And when I joined the uh, challenge, there were so many women who want to speak up publicly on a big screen about their sexual violence, violence. And like, and every time, and there's a lot of posts on Facebook. And every time I want to read, everything I read was about sexual violence. It's like, it can be like, why people want to talk? Why women want to talk about it? And I said, why am I attracted to those posts only about sexual violence? Like, and I start like, like, maybe something related to me. Maybe I have sexual, I had sexual violence because until recently, I didn't think that incident in medical school was violent for me. I thought it was normal for many women. And I like, huh, maybe it is something to do with me. <laughs> so I said, well, maybe if women want to talk about it, let's provide for them something that they can speak up. So I created a platform and advocacy group to stop sexual violence. It was a year ago when I invited different survivors practitioners and who in this space or advocates who can talk about it and just to bring other people aware that it's everywhere and it's not only in this country in this moment and this time and on this social economic level it's everywhere every industry every country and we just need to bring awareness to the to everybody. So that was my goal and that's why I started um, our advocacy group and the name is The Evolving Story of Women because we always evolve. We need to be better than we are now. We always need to grow and with growing, we can change our world because we can change how we relate to others, to relate to our kids and that's how we change everything. So I started this uh, this group and we do monthly meetings. We, I interview people on area of sexual violence and we interview male, not only female, but because it's, as I said, it affects everybody. So, and 
that's what I do, advocating for others, give them platforms to speak up and raise awareness. Is it, it, is this group something that meets in person or is it something you do online? It's online and we met for a whole year, every month online on Zoom, but I'm transitioning to podcast. So I'm taking a break for summer and our podcast is going to start in September. It's going to be the same name, uh, The Evolving Story of Women, and I would expand more, not only on sexual violence, but women empowerment. So uh, I'm not doing I'm not doing for three months of summer, but it will be back as a podcast platform. Well, this has been such a great um, time with you, Larissa. You've offered our listeners quite a lot in your journey and your courage and your healing techniques. Um, I'm sure everyone has garnered so many good ideas and such conviction. Um, I especially resonated with you know your sense of being all alone here and your perseverance. Um, despite not having any family support. That especially resonates with me. Uh, but thank you again for joining us. And Claire, uh, would you close us out? Certainly can. So thank you, Larissa, again for joining us and sharing your story with us. Uh, and also thank you to all the audience members who joined us. Uh, if you don't need support, or if you need support rather, but don't know where to find it, you can visit takebackthenight.org for a list of resources and how to re- reach our legal support hotline. And you can also help other survivors by subscribing to our podcast and sharing it far and wide. Please consider posting it on your social media and uh, make sure to follow us on ours. Dear Katie is completely produced by a group of amazing volunteers. So thanks to all of them. And thank you listeners again for being present today. And always remember Self-care, as we learned today, is essential to healing and to thriving. Thanks, Mama. Thanks, Larissa. Thanks, Claire. And to all of our listeners, please continue to tune in to our next episode. Um, Together, we thrive, we survive, and we shatter the silence and end the violence. Thank you.